absolutely sat in heavenly places in Christ Jesus this week in this place. I thank the Lord there's some preachers and God's had them in every generation. He's never left himself without witness. And we have never looked like we're winning. That right, Brother Shepherd? 2,000 years worth. We have never looked, we've always been a small ragtag looking outside the camp outfit. The only time the church looks good is when it's fake. The charismatics with their ten thousands and television. The Catholic cathedrals worldwide and all their gold and silver. Huh? Think about it. The only time the church has ever looked really good is when it wasn't the real church. Don't ever call the church a remnant. Examine the scriptures, that's always the Jews. We have never been a almost ready to go under. But we've always been almost ready to go up. <laughs> Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord when you can go to church where they've figured out it is the house of prayer. And where they let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. Who told a teenage boy to rejoice like that? Did I see anybody in here paying? Did I see anybody in here just come up here and get them all worked up into some fit? Well, who told that baby to drink milk from his mother's bosom? Who told that child to smile the first time? You let children, who taught you to breathe? Who told you to take your next breath? It's something natural if you'll get out of the blessed way. Let the children of Zion. Last night the Lord moved through here. And uh, I want to warn you about trying to give people assurance. You better let God do that. I want to warn you about praying for somebody. You let them get to God. I want to warn you about that. Sincere but overzealous, you can pick fruit ripe. It's a good little help right there. It's just a good word for the wise. And then last thing I want to say that I had an older, I won't embarrass nobody right now. I really won't. I had an older saint tell me, Satan always jumps on me when it gets like that about whether I'm saved or not. And then I had a younger one tell me. And then the truth is, it's a good portion of God's people have fears and doubts sometimes. Because I just want to tell you, these two fellows I saw standing in the Jordan Old John the Baptist holding the Son of God in his arms. And they both got attacked on doubting their sonship. 
You ain't going to come up with two greater. And of course, Jesus, there's nobody to compare to him. But both of them came under attack on their salvation, one on their salvation, the other on their sonship. You're just looking at me, I guess I better get to it. In Matthew 4, uh, Matthew 3 ends with God saying out loud, this is my beloved son. Three verses later, Satan says to Jesus, if thou be the son of God. You're in good company. <laughs> I might need to take one of them Elijah laps. You're in good company. If a devil would try to throw an if on Jesus, don't be upset if he attacks you. Matter of fact, might be a little badge of honor. Because the devil ain't never went to a lost person and told them they were lost. He don't want to be a soul winner. He ain't trying to put them under conviction. And John the Baptist in Matthew 11 having a real... If Satan attacks your salvation... Matter of fact, you probably ought to think something's right with you. That's right. Yes. <laughs> Bless the Lord. Proverbs 28. Tonight, I want to preach for 20 minutes. I'm going to, I think, if the Lord don't come back. I want to preach for 20 minutes. And I want to do it so bad, I may do it two or three times in a row. That, I love preaching 20 minutes. And when I get to the end of that, I found out, man, I'll, I'll do that again. That was so... I'm coming over here to get my watch. Y'all will be glad to know. And uh, yeah, I, I love preaching 20 minutes. And you can usually do it concise and mess it up. Hadn't the Lord been good to us? Thank the Lord. Great to see every night God spirit-filled churches. Uh, supper every night will be a different menu than the last night. Our God is so original. Make every sunrise different than the other one. And it always... That's the Lord. That's the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for Calvary. Breathe on us for a little while. Touch us in the power of God, Lord. We'll thank you for it. All the Lord's people said, Amen. We do want to thank the Lord for Pastor Dow and for his family. There's, there's so much life here. There's, there's real Christians here. And, uh, and the Lord's here. And people from West Virginia and North Carolina have took over this town. It's just, you're going to come back one day and y'all are going to own every block. I mean, number one, if you have 20 kids and they all get married, you know, y'all will have to buy the rest of these houses. Who knows if Amos is the last? Who knows? 
About the time that these mountain folks start to slow down, Elijah, he'll be getting started on his brood. <laughs> Samuel, we're counting on you too, son. I don't want you to sit there like that by yourself the rest of your life. Yeah. You'll look so much better. Now, if you got to leave town, get away from cousins, don't be marrying a cousin. <laughs> That's West Virginia, North Carolina. That's... <laughs> Keep that out of Nebraska. We want good corn, <laughs> wheat. Ukraine and Russia is going to be fighting. We need y'all to keep the wheat coming. Amen. By the way, I ain't flying no Ukrainian flag. Dear time, quit watching the news. Get full of the Holy Ghost. Them are criminal God-hating thugs jumping on criminal God-hating thugs. <laughs> They've all owned that land three or four times each. Good time, mercy. You ought to see who's for stuff and decide you're going to be against it. Look, see who's for it. Look, see who's for waving them flags. Dear time. This has nothing to do with nothing other than I feel better telling y'all about it. Dear time. Nazis. And more Nazis in the Ukraine, they had to take the Nazi symbol off last week to keep the world supporting them. The only fellow to meet with Putin was the Prime Minister of Israel. He knows he's his friend. That got a little quiet in here. Y'all better quit watching the news and start reading your Bible. This politically correct junk's what's turning all these young and going to turn them all into sexual perverts. Yes, sir. Better get full of God and turn, turn this world off and turn his world on. Amen. We know there's a miracle working God because I'm still in evangelism. <laughs> Brother Shepherd. 24 years, people still ask me to come to preach. I, I'm just amazed. I'm amazed. If I was a pastor, I'd make God tell me 10 times, really? Him? Really? <laughs> I think the Lord performed a miracle for me last night, and I'm not joking. Uh, I have to tell you all when I'm not joking. <laughs> I was doing 70. The speed limit's 65. Five's the number of grace. Seven's the number of completion. I figured I'd be all right. I was doing 70, going back last night, and a huge deer uh, stepped into my car. I'm, I'm being completely serious. When I saw it, it was there. And I don't know, y'all. I just, and it's, there was nothing. It wasn't coming. It wasn't in that lane. It was there, and then it wasn't. I'm serious. I wouldn't exaggerate that. Amen. I think the Lord did a miracle for me last night. I bless the Lord. Amen. And that's something. I hit a wolf at Christmas. Hit a wolf. I'm like, boy, is that a, is this a sign of what the year that's coming? <laughs> Three thousand dollars worth of damage. 
Usually when a preacher runs into a wolf, you're going to pay a price. <laughs> that right, Brother Shiver? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Bless the Lord. I've had an unusual ministry. I've had a crowbar ministry. I realized it. I started pastoring when I was 21. I got about 23 or 24 and realized, you know, I'm not going to be a weeping prophet. I'm going to be making other people weep. <laughs> Crowbar. God makes me pry things open and knock things out. I hit giants in the head and find the biggest can of worms in the room. And just <laughs> okay, everybody enjoy this meeting. God bless you. Crowbar, I accepted it. I did, I accepted it. Yes, Lord. That's why God gave me an older sister. I'd be ready for this war. <laughs> I had an older sister, three little brothers, and a younger sister. Amen. We were the opposite of spoiled. Dead. He whooped us, and I think he enjoyed it. And here's what was bad at our house. His mom really liked it. Get him, she said. Get him some more. Lord of mercy. Large families. Y'all go ahead and have one if you want to. I know the deal, man. Yeah. Oh, y'all must love each other. We barely know each other. Proverbs 28. Thank you again, church, for the, the money that it takes to do this. The labor, the sweat, blood and tears that it takes to do this. Thank you. And you know, I really appreciate the people that tithe and sweat and labor and are faithful all year and work and don't even hardly get to come to the meeting. But they make sure it's paid for. God will reward those people. They will get theirs. They will get theirs. <laughs> That's right. And if you don't tithe, you're not allowed to criticize nothing. Keep your mouth shut. That's part of that crowbar. <laughs> That's right. If you don't tithe, usually the only people running their mouth about the church and things are the people not giving. You show me somebody giving to the church and they want it to go good. People who give their money to the church, give their tithe, the Lord's tithe to it, they want it to go well. They don't want it to be negative and ugly and they don't want to criticize it. You find somebody talking ugly about the church, they've not been giving their money to the Lord. You mark that down. If you hear them run their mouth, tell them. Get in their face and tell them. I'm asking God to let me switch dispensations about 10 minutes. <laughs> you got to turn your cheek in this one. Oh, sometimes they let you just hop over in another dispensation. <laughs> he did that little Syrophoenician woman. We're not dealing with dogs, dealing with sheep. Yeah, Lord. Okay, come here. Oh, I'm waiting on a moment. <laughs> All right, come here, Dean. Help yourself. Thank you. You never know. 
Y'all in Proverbs 28, verse 12. The Lord gave me this. Loved this verse for many years. The Lord had me scribble some thoughts down the other day. Never have preached it in a message form. But the Lord put it in me tonight. Proverbs 28, 12. <laughs> I love this. When righteous men do rejoice, there is great glory. <laughs> Isn't that something? <laughs> Woo. People criticize camp meeting. They don't understand it. The purpose of a revival is for a church evangelist to challenge the church. Sometimes to challenge the church to repentance. Sometimes to challenge it to rejoice. You know, whatever the need. Revival. Camp meeting is not a revival. Gospel crusade. We know the crusade is. Concerted effort to go after sinners with the glorious gospel. Amen. Camp meeting is not a crusade. Bible conference. I had one every January. I'd bring in two of the best Bible teacher preachers I knew. Tell the first one, you got the seven o'clock hour. I can promise you no singing. I can't promise you no shouting because my bunch is happy. Eight o'clock, fella, you got the next hour. Told our people, bring your Bible and bring your notebook. But one old boy said, and I tried to tell the church, there's no singing. We're just going to feed. Just going to let these men teach and preach. But we could, the Holy Ghost got the, he got the shrugging his shoulders in there. Mm. Uh, that duh flapped a couple of times. Old brother Ralph Coleman tried to read Hebrews 1. He said, God. And he blowed up and tears come out. And he said it again. He, God, that was it. The top blew off 20 minutes. I had 25 young men that acted like Elijah. And I had 20 older men that got to going before the young men did. It wasn't youthful exuberance. It was Holy Ghost. Praise. It's praise. <laughs> but I love a Bible conference. Camp meeting's not a conference. It's not a crusade. It's not a revival. It's not VBS. Thank goodness. I shut down my VBS. I had summer camp and summer camp meeting. I said, bring the young ones. We're going to teach them how to shout, not how to make cookies and crafts. Dear time, Lord. Get a 16-year-old lost kid leading all a bunch of six-year-olds in a prayer. None of them saved. Dear time, leave me alone. I ain't against VBS. If I was in this town, I'd have one. Well, I mean, I probably wouldn't, but you probably should. But... Uh, Trying to quit lying is a bad habit for a preacher. <laughs> especially in church, especially in the pulpit, dear time. And, uh, oh my. Camp meeting. If it's one of them seven feasts, it's a time to come and everybody get the tent and the booth yeah. and get wave sheaves and just spend the whole week yeah. thanking him. God's the only one knows the purpose of camp meeting. 
But if you could boil it down to one and you can't hardly, it's a general abstract idea of the purpose of camp meeting. God will sit in the midst of his people and manifest his glory. It's a lot like heaven. You read the end of Revelation, what God thinks about heaven. Here's what God said about it. I will be their God. I will walk with them and talk with them. I will sit with them. I'll be in the midst of them. That's God's idea of heaven as I get to be with my children. Camp meetings like that. Somebody says, well, y'all sure get all worked up that one week different than the other weeks. Well, let me ask you something. Do you celebrate every day like it's your birthday or just on your birthday? There's only one day you ought to have cake and be the most special thing in the world. You ought to have that day, but it's not every day. Help me now. Do you all hug your grannies and aunties and cousins and everybody and just have a great old big meal? Do you do it every week or just once a year at a family reunion? Huh. I'm thinking maybe people that don't like joy and glory and the presence of the Lord, I'm thinking maybe they've never been born again. I have no problem telling you that a lot of preachers need to be born again. A lot of pastors. The reason they don't know their people are lost because they're unregenerated. You know the Anglican church in England? The Anglican church... I was over there, I learned. You ain't going to believe this. Research it yourself. Over 60% of the Anglican ministers are atheists. Professing atheists. Now that stumped me. I couldn't even imagine that until the man explained. To be an Anglican minister over there, it's a state job. It's a career it's more about administration. I said, so far you're explaining independent Baptist. It's a, it's a career for administrators. You ought to thank God if you've ever been around a God-called, leather-lunged, Holy Ghost preacher and he don't tone sin down and he don't sweeten hell up. That's the only kind of preach you and your youngins out of hell. You'll have to get them in a contemporary rock concert and let some little pretty boy say a little prayer over 500 of them and tell them they're all saved. You'll have to give them a Southern Baptist VBS cookie or an independent Baptist bus hot dog, say a prayer over, and I had a bus route. But we didn't do no bribing and we did a bunch of preaching. We picked up kids. It ain't a bad idea. Just make sure the church is full of the Holy Ghost and the preacher full of the Holy Ghost. Amen. When righteous men do rejoice, there is great glory. I feel like I need to say this. I ain't heard nothing, so don't think I have. Let me plug this because I go to a lot of these meetings. Somebody after this meeting will be quoting Judas. We could have took this money and this much money and done something pretty good with it. Oh, I like to quote Judas, eh? I really think you'd find somebody else in the Bible to quote <laughs> other than Judas. 
Oh, that's not a kind of bad child guy. I'll tell you, I'll pass to the poor. Yeah. Jesus fixed all the Democrats and their welfare right there. Yeah. The poor you always have. Yeah. You can't make them rich. Right. Probably a blessing to be poor. James said the poor are rich in faith. That's why a rich man can't hardly get in. He ain't never had to trust nothing. When righteous men do rejoice, there is great glory. I've just scribbled down scriptures here. I'm going to ask you to turn to them unless you don't feel like it because I may not turn to all of them either. Some of them we need to turn to. <laughs> I, I think, boy, and I'm, I'm, I'm getting the best one first. That might be a mistake, brother, brother Play-Doh. <laughs> I may get hung up on, I will try not to get hung up on this one, Brother Shepherd. But oh... I love it. Luke 10, 21. Go ahead and look at it because we need to see it. Luke 10, 21. It's the only time in there that Jesus rejoiced. <laughs> Did you know there's never a record of Jesus laughing? And y'all ought to know that I'm not against laughter. I'm sure y'all know that. I have been called a clown in the pulpit. <laughs> My hometown, they some old serious boys and they're mad about people being, you know, if you ain't mad, they're mad. Yeah, yeah that Dean, he's a clown. <laughs> yeah, you know, I hope not. But uh, there's no record of Jesus laughing. There is a record of him crying. He wept over Jerusalem. He wept over the cup in the garden and he wept at Lazarus' grave. But here is the only place where he rejoiced. And let, Let's bring our text in. Is Jesus a righteous man? Understatement of all time. He's the righteous man. He's the only righteous man really ever was when you consider that there was no fault in him. And he wasn't just the righteous man. He was the only. If you got any righteousness, you got it from him. That righteousness that is imputed unto your account. That righteousness that is imparted. That imputed righteousness is in another world and it's over my record. That imparted righteousness is in my soul. The Son done that and the Spirit did this. Imputed on me, imparted in me. Implemented daily. Mm. I love Luke 10, 21. I'm not turning there. Let me see. Is this find the verse where it said in the seventy returned again with joy? Verse seventeen, Bible number for victory. The seventy returned again with joy. Does it say rejoicing or something like that? No. Verse seventeen. 
With joy. Lord, even the devils are subject unto us. And, he, and boy, if you thought he was a positive fellow just hugging everybody, he'd, he'd chew them out when they were happy and then he would cheer them up, you know, get mad at them when they were sad. Storms about to quit. Why are y'all sad? <laughs> Storms killing us. I'm here. What in the world? And then here they're rejoicing. They rejoice not. Scolding them. This would be a good occasion to scold them. They're all happy. Let's scold them. <laughs> Rejoice not that the devils are subject unto you. <laughs> but rather rejoice because your names are written down. <sighs> and then, then he goes on and then he uh, your eyes have seen this. God revealed this unto you. And then it says, in that hour, Jesus rejoiced in spirit. I'd like to see that, wouldn't you? I, I'm not sure what that looked like. That's why I'd love to see that. Jesus, it, it feels like he stole away a little bit. Moved away by self a little bit, old father. Huh? I'd like to see him <laughs> rejoicing in his spirit when Jesus throws a little spell, when he scratches off a patch and <laughs> makes him some cartwheels. Oh. I know another place he rejoiced in Luke 15. He's coming home with a shepherd. And he rejoiced and called together his friends and neighbors. Come with me, rejoice. Woo! You go look at what he was happy about there in Luke 10. Pretty deep well. It's a pretty deep well if you're going to draw water out of that well. You'll be there a while. He was glad that the Father's plan was coming into play. He was glad that the Father's person was being revealed. He was, he was glad that these that wanted God were getting God. Oh my. Oh my. Mm. John eight fifty six. Abraham rejoiced to see my day and was glad. When righteous men do rejoice, there is great glory. Don't you know Moses rejoiced in Exodus 33? He'd done seen the law. He'd done seen the Lord. I don't understand all that. He'd been up on that Mount Sinai without water 40 days. You reckon that living water crystal runs out of the throne was running through him? Why he didn't need a drink? I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud. Forty days and forty, and to come down, his face shone. But over there he said, "Oh, I beseech thee, O Lord, show me thy glory." Real mistake for formalist, unregenerated ministers. Baptist preachers that have Protestant services. Tickles me, Brother Shepherd, some of them Baptist brighter boys have more of a Protestant type service. Right. 
They're proud of being Baptists and act like they come. They're proud of being Baptists and act like Protestant. Help me. Dear time, be real careful about calling old fashioned the glory of God about calling it Southern emotionalism. Be real careful. I'm going to tell you something. I ain't never cast judgment on anybody. My daddy worshipped by, he'd cry. He'd get choked up. Cry. I don't know if I ever heard him shout. He'd do the jello belly. <laughs> My mama get real happy. She'd shriek a little, but it didn't mean to. She'd be a weeping and a shrieking a little bit. I had an old deacon with a pot belly. He ate enough chickens to wake all of them come off of Noah's Ark. I was down in the swamp. Skinniness was a condition where I lived. They tried to fix it. If you was under 300, the family was a little ashamed of you, male or female. What's wrong with y'all? You don't nourish your family? You're a failure. You're worse than an infidel. Old brother Larry Norman, he'd woo woo we just buried him a year ago. Six months ago, really. Woo! Had big old ears. I made fun of him all the time. He loved it when I did. And our preacher boys would crawl up on his belly. We'd have them Saturday night prayer meetings for a decade. Loved him so good. Them boys would lay their head on his bosom. He liked something right out of the Bible. The best man I had was the quietest man I had. I chewed a preacher out who chewed him out. We had a camp meeting every year, and one morning an old fella come by, and I, I don't remember if I let him preach or if he got the testifying and kept it going, and, but he stopped and chewed out old Wendell Davis. He said, hey, man, I'm trying to get him all, trying to, sitting there quiet. Best uh, broke at the church, and Wendell showed up Saturdays and Mondays to fix everything at the church. Hardest working man I had. And when he'd get happy, he'd nod his chin, throw me a finger. <laughs> that was his lap. <laughs> he never talked to his wife either. I wasn't offended. He never talked to none of us. <laughs> she seemed like a happy woman. She talked a good bit, and he never said anything. It's a good arrangement, I thought. Peter and John had opposite personalities. I mean, Peter came in mouth first or sword first. You watch out. He may or may not be wearing clothes on that particular day. He backslide, he'd go naked. You know, Lord, are you sure, Chief Apostle? <laughs> Is he going to keep his clothes on? Huh? John, that reflector, deep meditation. We ain't talking about personalities and not talking about culture. We're talking about the manifest glory of God. Did not our heart burn within us? And I had ones that were vocal. One may weep and one may do backflips. I had a backflipper. Old buddy Thomas walked in. Most of old Wendell got saved on the organ. And then his whole family got saved. That's when he got in. Buddy Thames, I said, Thomas. Buddy Thames. 
We was laid over on a Saturday night and laid out in our hallway. We prayed all over the property, all over the buildings. Troy Campbell had been saved two years. They're 20-something young boys. They drug old buddy in. He'd been out drinking and fighting, didn't have no family. He was a husky football type. And I remember where I was laying. Over there in the hallway, 10 of us men. 20 was on the altar. 10 was in the youth room. Some of us were in the hallway, laying on the floor, praying. And that, down at the far end, I can see it, that door open. Blonde-headed Troy come in. And he had his, buddy, his drunk buddy with him. Here come Buddy Tames. Had a football shirt. He come in like that. He was ready. He come in weeping and fell in the middle of our hallway and got saved. We'd have meetings and get good, and Buddy was bad. He was a specimen. He'd do back. He'd do backflip. Wabba, wabba. He'd do always three in a row. Wabba, woo. Nobody noticed. We we're all caught up in the glory of God. Amen. You know they said Billy Sunday, good night baseball player, held the held the record for the fastest bases for a thousand years. They said something like that. Yeah. And uh, and when he preached, the ball of fire all over the platform, all over the stage, up and down the aisles, on chairs, on the pulpit. John R. Rice, Joe Parsons, mumbly conversation. Stand in one spot, mumble. Oh, the Lord is so good to us. If you look over here in this verse of Scripture, there'd be something right here to be so good. I don't care if you're flying over benches or if you're mumbly conversational. It's the power of God. It's the glory of God. Better be yourself. Anything else is pride. The Lord won't touch you. Oh my. Let's move through some of these. How about Simeon and Anna? That old priest and that old widow lived down there by, by the temple. And at the Luke 2 28, I'm not turning there, but that day he'd been told by the Holy Ghost that he would not see death till he had seen the Lord's Christ. You should have seen that righteous man break out that day. Hey, men of God, I know there's more preachers here besides Brother Plato, but I... Hey, men of God, old Simeon got to rejoicing. He blessed the Lord. He gave thanks. He threw a, had a little shouting spell. You can go look at it. As far as we know, that was the first time Jesus shed blood. As far as we know, if everything happened normal, if nothing got happened to him in them first eight days, that eighth day they circumcised him. He was in the temple and a priest took blood, drew blood. When that old flesh was cut away, oh, he who would be our spiritual circumcision. What about that priest with the blood of Christ? And honey, you wasn't going to leave Anna out. She coming in that instant likewise gave thanks. Had her a spell. Can I get a witness? You wasn't going to leave Miriam out. 
You're not going to leave them ladies out. In the middle of Exodus 15, Miriam picked up a timbrel and said, Come on, girls. She was a good bossy thing. I mean, it was her gift. It was. Speaking of a big sister, don't you know she had to be a tough old gal? Looking out for baby Moses with the crocodiles and the Egyptians? She was a tough old gal. Y'all may be the weaker vessel, but sometimes that only stops with your actual skeletal structure. (laughs) Don't you ever tell the woman that she's a weaker person. The Bible just said her vessel. That one funny, weird, mop-head thing that decided he wanted to be a girl and breaking all the swimming records. (laughs) That's so awful and funny. The feminists are in a real pickle. They're going to defend all the perverts. Now they don't know how. Uh Uh-oh. We can't be for women or against or... (laughs) They're all in a mess now. They done pretzled up on each other until now they're looking at each other right in the nose like, you're messing me up. (laughs) Weaker vessel. You know she was... And honey, she got in there and she watched over him. She's willing to confront soldiers and royalty. And them crocodiles on the Nile, they are 37 and 50 foot long. Not really, but if you ever seen one up close and personal, when you came back and told it, that thing would be longer than 11 feet. I guarantee you I'd tell it like I seen it. To a little girl. She's down there with the crocodiles and the, Egypt- and the Egyptians are killing Hebrews. She said, you ain't leaving me out of this. I've been with you the whole way. Moses, give me a timbrel. Girls, get in this thing. I had a great granny took a bell at the Bell family. My mama's side, my mama's daddy, old preacher, my old preaching grandpa, his mama took a bell at the annual tent meeting after World War II and all of her boys came back. They said she rung a bell around the tabernacle and shouted for an hour. You ain't gonna leave her out. Y'all ain't helping me. I was raised around old timey shouting women. My... my uh, that would have been my great-great-grandmother. My great-grandmother said she shouted to Bobby Pin that my Uncle Randy, 70-something-year-old man of God. He said, I'd grown up in them old-timey churches, my mama, and they put the babies under the benches, put them on a quilt, and gave them, and I can't use the term, <laughs> gave them a little sugar rag. And put a little sugar in the end of a rag and twist it and moisten it and they'd they'd keep them quiet. And also a switch would keep the older ones quiet. And, uh, but my Uncle Randy said it'd be nothing. His grandmother, my mom's grandmother, Cassie Bale, she was a dance girl in the gambling boat at Harrison Bay outside of Chattanooga. (laughs) 
and Lawrence Bell was a fiddle player. At the gambling boat, and he'd run out of Atlanta and dove in the Chattahoochee and caught a slow-moving train running from the law. The revenueers shot his partner and busted their moonshine still. He dove in the Chattahoochee, which runs through Atlanta, and got off up there in Ringgold where General Sherman had his headquarters burned, burned the south down. And, uh, and Lawrence ran out there, and he's a preacher's son. His daddy was an old-timer, one of my great-great-great-greats. His daddy was an old Daniel Bell, a, an old circuit-riding preacher with a songbook and a Bible and a mule before the Civil War. And Lawrence dove off and run out in the field, switched hats with a man, white hat and a black hat, and they arrested the white hat man. He was up in a cave. He finally come down to be a sharecropper. He'd play the fiddle on the gambling boat, drinking a black sheep and running from God. And married the dance hall girl. <laughs> and then there come a knock on their door and they thought it was the law, but it was. Capital L. It was the old preacher from Pleasant Valley Baptist Church. And Lawrence surrendered and said, I've run long enough. And him and my great-grandmother got saved. And all of her boys made preachers. She had three sons and they all made preachers. And my Uncle Randy and Mom said, they'd be under the bench in the old time meetings and the bobby pins would start plopping and clicking around them. These youngins don't know what that is. That's them old timey women shouting their hair down, shouting their hair down. Sam Jones, one of the great Methodist preachers, mom and daddy divorced in Alabama and this is pre-World War II, I mean pre-Civil War. They moved him over to Alabama to live with his grandma right below where we live in Cartersville, Georgia. And he told about the bobby pins bouncing up and down the floor and grandma would shout up and down. He said, how come we don't see that much anymore? Because we got country music, rock music, mini skirts. We got more hell unleashed since World War II shut down. The roaring 20s gave birth to the filthy 50s. Here came the drugs, the sex, and the rock and roll in the 60s. And I'm sorry, there's some things that ain't here no more. But I've had some bobby pins in my heritage. Plop down into my soul. Amen. I sure am glad the Holy Ghost got a hold of me before any Bible college ever did. Put that on my tombstone. I'll be fine with that. Thank God. I heard them old women shout. I heard them old women shouting in the Holy Ghost. Funny to me, brother. Shepherd and brother, old man of God with you. <laughs> Funny to me, all them formal Baptists for 50 years told everybody, watch out for that shouting bunch. Here's what they did. They're borderline Pentecostal. They're borderline Pentecostal. Who went contemporary by the hundreds of churches? You can't find me two old-fashioned preachers that went contemporary. You can't find me two Holy Ghost shouting churches that wants that garbage. I can show you over a thousand 
Sword of the Lord, formal, Bible college, bus route. I believe in Bible college. I believe in bus route. But you can't. They went over there by the hundreds. By the hundreds. Hey, what about borderline? Y'all erased the line. Slammed dove right in the middle of them. Hey, man. That's right. Miriam, you ain't leaving us out. Let's see what else is written up here that'll have nothing to do with what I comment on. <laughs> Can I mention four of them real fast because I want to say something to y'all. Don't turn none of these. Write them down. Write them down. How about Paul in Philippians chapter 4? While he was in prison. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Do y'all know if there is a book in your Bible that tells the Christian, the individual Christian, how to have personal victory, it is the book of Philippians. And he's in a dungeon. He's lost his freedom by by that point, 30 years after being saved, had lost his health, been beaten and stoned and and shipwrecked and starved and froze. He has no health. He has no freedom. He has no comforts. He's a prisoner. Y'all ain't helping me. When righteous men do rejoice, there's great glory. How about Revelation 18, 20? In one hour, that mighty city Babylon, that whole system has fallen. And God commands His holy apostles and prophets rejoice over her. In case you're wondering about this lily-fingered, long-haired, effeminate French Renaissance Jesus wearing a bed sheet and acting like a woman. You read Revelation 18. He commands. All right, apostles and prophets, get over here and shout it out. I'm bringing vengeance on the enemies. Mm. When righteous men do rejoice, wonder how hey, wonder how much glory is going to be in that moment when they're rejoicing over God's enemies being stricken down to hell. How about Third John one four? I have no greater joy. And hear that my children walk in truth. Come on, y'all. That would have to be a righteous man to raise his kids like that. Let me say something to all the preachers in the year 2022 who's trying not to set up a church for Americans to like, but set up a church for Jesus to like. And you might be discouraged. Sometimes that how small and difficult your church or your ministry seems. But I remind you that Noah preached 120 years and nobody got saved. But he saved the whole world. And his children. (laughs) He got them in the boat with him. No greater joy. If 120 years and you got nobody but the ones in your house, 
I got a feeling God will mark that up as well done. How about persecution? When men persecute you, leap for joy, Luke 6, 22 said. What about it? Just 15 seconds right here. Just 15 seconds on this one. He said, when men persecute you and revile you for my sake and for the word's sake, go on Facebook and whine about it for six months. What's all that Facebook whining? Is there no Christians left? Your passive aggressive, eternal victim post. Your passive aggressive hiding under an ESV verse and a little quote from some shallow song. And then you slip in your little pity party in the middle of your passive-aggressive posting. We got your number. It smells like 666. We got your number. You little passive-aggressive whininess. Only thing more sicker than that on social media is all the self-promotion. I ain't on none. I told Jennifer, keep a Facebook account, give people a picture of our kids and a Bible verse. I want all the women in the churches to see our family and see my wife. And I want them to think of my wife if they ever think of flirting with me. <laughs> to date, this has not been a problem. <laughs> it's a true story, Brother Shepherd. You didn't tell me sometime what's going on. People are like, boy, I'm praying for, okay, continue, but so far... <laughs> I'm 52 and I've never had a woman hit on me in the church world. That's <laughs> never. It's, I wonder. I, I don't think I'm ugly. <laughs> I don't think I'm handsome. But I don't think I'm I have to be honest. I have kept my weight. Doctor told me to look at my BMI. And I've kept my weight projected between 195 and 310. I've stayed in that range. It's, I don't know. I never have. <laughs> Tell me how this works sometime. I, I'm ready to. <laughs> I'm ready to resist Jezebel. If she'll ever show up. Hey, hey. Been wondering where you've been, but go away. Oh, I finally did it. I got hit on and I turned her down. Stinking thing. Get out of here. Now here's what's funny. When I pastored in my 20s, I pastored in my 20s, I never had a young woman, a teenage girl, a college girl, a 30-year-old, never. None of them. They all thought I was an old man of God. I had four women in their 60s in love with me. <laughs> of love. It was incredible. I thought, Lord, if grandmas are going to like me, I guess we're okay. <laughs> when you're 23 and a 63-year-old likes you, snuggle up, hug my little elbow. And I just thought it was grandma stuff. <laughs> I had no idea. I'm not sure what point we're on right here. <laughs> I've kind of lost track. Here's one for you. Oh, I was talking about Facebook, wasn't I? Leap for joy when everybody persecutes you. Don't passive-aggressive post and whine. Are you even a Christian? Do you love yourself so much that it's 
stings you and not everybody hits the like button. Full of yourself. Righteous men leap for joy because they get to suffer like he did. Here's one. 2 Samuel 6. David danced before the Lord with all his might. Oh my. Would you like to have been there that day, that parade in Main Street in Jerusalem? I got dancing in music in Luke 15. I got dancing and leaping in the Old Testament. I got people praising God exuberantly in every dispensation. In every dispensation. And these boys who claim to be Baptists and want to have Protestant church, shame on you, stinking formal hide. Formalism comes from Catholics. Emotionalism comes from Charismatics. I ain't either one. Joy comes from Jesus. Unspeakable joy and full of glory. Worship is private and internal. Praise is public and external. You cannot praise God without someone seeing it or hearing it. Well, your life ought to be a testimony. True! Now, get in church and praise God. You got that from some nitwit with a professor instead of a preacher in front of his name. Oh, my. David is leaping. What was he doing? What was going on? Hey, what was going on? The ark was returning. The presence of God was being brought back to Jerusalem. David couldn't help himself. God was coming back. The Lord was coming back. The presence of God, the fire, the glory. I'd come out here to Colorado. I'd flew on an airplane when Chris Hanks and my sister Alicia I came out in them early years, and over 20 years ago, I'd fly out. And in those years, I'd always raise money and bring an offering. They were trying to get the work started over there in Grand Junction. I'd raise one or two thousand dollars back home and bring an offering. Mainly because he said, You ain't going to get no offering unless you raise your own. And he said it jokingly, and I took it seriously. <laughs> No, I'd always raise money and bring it to the meeting and give it to the church plant. And I think it was the second or third year, Preston was just about three. And they met me at the airport in Atlanta. And my little boy hadn't seen his daddy. I never will forget the leaping and dancing that went on. We all got off that plane and the way it worked out, we came around the walkway and it was, it was literally 100 yards like a football field. Red carpet, it was red. Way back there, velvet ropes and people waiting. And my little boy, there was a preacher and his family, my wife, and my little boy. And he saw his daddy returning. Preston wiggled out mama's arms she was holding him down here like this he done a wiggle shot under that velvet rope and I didn't we didn't have kids till in our 30s 
I would have 15, but we got started when I was like Abraham and Sarah. We didn't think we ever could, and God finally did. We didn't think we could again, and we did at three. And here come my boy. And he was so excited to see his daddy. Every third step, he'd leap. He was running. He's jumping. He was so he was jumping and leaping. Yeah. I saw him coming. I said, "Look out!" I knocked over two old women. Looked like it's about ninety in the walker. They shouldn't have been in front of me. <laughs> One little Chinese man was trying to get to some noodles somewhere. I just put him in the wall. <laughs> Where against communists? Just kept running. <laughs> There's a big old black woman stewardess, and she saw me. She got in the linebacker, and then I got in, I got in Daddy's back. And she, oh, bless him, Jesus, bless him, Jesus. And I run, and my boy run, and he literally leaped into my arms. <laughs> we cried. Dad hugged and he kept leaping in my arms, hugging me, kissing me. His father was back. What would happen in a lot of our churches? I've been praying for prodigals to come home. I've been preaching on it. We've been praying about it. Sometimes half the week just take some of these old churches and pray for all their prodigals to come back. What would happen and two old deacons there prayed in my little swamp church 30 years for God to come back yeah. they didn't do it but their forefathers did they run a preacher out of the parsonage physically shoved his wife 1967 shoved his wife stormed in the parsonage drug him outside threw him in the yard I hate for even these kids to hear this said, you got three days to get out of here. And in the early 90s, I came in there and two old men was on the altar weeping. Our girls are defiled. Our boys are criminals. That's what they told me. All of our girls are defiled out of wedlock and all of our boys are long-haired criminals with arrest records. And they said, Ichabod, been here 30 years, preacher, Ichabod. We've been begging the Lord to come back. There's a reason that place swelled up with the glory of God for a decade. People got saved unbelievably. There's a reason they were willing to come to church several days a week and shout every time we came. He's back. He's back. They quit their deer club. I ain't trying to stir nothing up. We had, we had women leaving the secular world and all of them coming home. We had, we had men quitting this and that and starting things, quitting things they'd been doing for the devil and starting things for God. 1993, somebody got saved every Sunday. And it wasn't, and, and, and the children's ministries and bus ministries are wonderful, but it wasn't that. It was conviction and power and people coming to the altar to get saved. The only reason I know that is because I've never been a records keeper. 
My mother always gave us six kids our own calendar with everybody's birthdays on it. Mine was a Louis L'Amour calendar that year. Back when America knew how to play cowboys and Indians. Cowboys and Muslims, cowboys and communists. That's where we're at right now. Help me now. Cowboys and terrorists and cowboys and boys that think they're girls. Talk to me now. Talk to me. I had that Louis L'Amour calendar. Western. And the first Sunday, five sinners got saved. Holy Ghost power. We'd have meeting all day. I wrote their names down on that. Wasn't something I did. I just I wrote all their names down. Second Sunday, I think there's three. I still got that calendar somewhere. And I wrote their names down. I didn't even it wasn't it, but the end of the year dawned on me in the middle of the next year. There was only one Sunday there wasn't names written down. Then men shouted, He's back. When righteous men do rejoice, there's great glory. Well, I have more here, but I'm going to close. I'm going to close, but not right now. Give me a minute. I remember my grandpa, the last time I seen him, shout. Old country preacher, old mountain preacher, rock altar. Preached tent meetings before World War II. Preached from a teenage lad on up until in his 80s. Last time I seen him in church, he was taking him a slow lap. He'd walk the aisles and shake hands when God when God got to moving. He'd walk the aisles, mouth half open, weeping, shouting, walk around slow, shake hands with saints. In them old timey churches, people was a shouting, people was a praying. He talked about in order. It's the order of the Lord. And he was, they were singing, where he leads me, I will follow. That's what they were singing. But the verse that got him out of his seat, he will give me grace and glory. He shouted half an hour over the church, slow walking, shaking hands. Saints are shouting. Old Papa. I remember Hinkle Little, Taylorsville, North Carolina. Stephen Dagenhart now has the meeting in the church. Y'all are from somewhere near there, ain't you, Brother Dow? Taylorsville. I was 16, Hinkle Little. I'd had them two and a half bad years as a teenager. And old Hinkle Little had come back from Chicago, been to the Pacific Garden Rescue Mission, and I heard an old black man singing that, I'm going to die on the battlefield. And he brought that song to the south. Hinkle Little was an exhorter. He was a country preacher. If you're looking for Bible college homiletics, look somewhere else. <laughs> he was long tooth, leather lungs, shout, exhort. I was 16, Brother Shepherd sitting over there. And the devils had tried to drag me to the depths of hell. And I was sitting over there and Ed Ballou was on his back like a turtle, that big old Cherokee Indian. He was on his back like a turtle, hands and legs in the air, shouting to the heavens. 
J. Harold Smith was up in a bench, helicopter in his suit coat, shouting. Irvin Kreider, the old man of God, nobody knew him except everybody knew him where he lived. He was walking around weeping. He was the pastor. Men of God were shouting all over the place. Holy Ghost was such thick fire, it'd nearly kill you. Unless you've been in it, then you don't understand that. And Brother Hinkle, he was walking the benches. He was walking the back of the benches and he was singing that. One day as I was thinking on unseen things above. Ed Blue shouting like a turtle. J. Harold Smith, helicopter. Forty men of God shouting all over the building. Miriam's shouting all over the building. He was a walking the back of them benches. I'm gonna die on this battlefield. I'm gonna die in this war. And God caved my little soul in, put me on the altar, and I set my sail, never have looked back. Roy Gentry, my daddy's old pastor, pastored 55 years, didn't believe in long hair, but had a head of it. All them old-timey old men, they didn't believe in long hair, but they all had a bunch of it. They had George Washington wig hair. They just tucked it, swayed it, oiled it, vitalized that, brule cream. This generation is very boring. They either shave it or just shag it. Them old men had class. Talk to me now. There was a tsunami wave coming from the south. Low tide headed north. Several hidden swells. If they ever bent down, you'd find a whirlpool in there. They're doing its own thing. He had that. And when he'd get to preaching, that hair would get loose and it'd get to going. He'd be like, that's Brother Gentry. And then that's George Washington. I was down in the benches in the sawdust. Y'all hearing me? Yeah. I was down in the sawdust, just a lad, picking up a toy or something. Place was out in the open air, brush arbor. And Daddy's old preacher was in the sawdust. There were men running up the hill, men running down the hill. The pirate God coming back and through there like a red hot hurricane wind. Mm. And I, just, I have this memory. I was down in the benches for some childish reason. Down in the sawdust. And I looked under the pew. And my daddy's old preacher, well, he was under there. He was preaching on the line of the tribe of Judah and he was doing a low crawl. He was doing a line crawl. <laughs> Nobody's paying me attention. He was preaching and shouting. They've done tore the place up. He down there and he looked at me under seven benches. And I looked at him, and he roared. <laughs> he did. It was over on this side. He just said, Roar! <laughs> it was a roar! And I was a little boy. Just drinking it in. He roared and crawled all over that. When righteous men do rejoice. There's great glory. I think he put some of the line of the tribe of Judah in me that night. Roared it into my soul. Oh. I went to Bible college and their little formalism, their little formulas. 
their little Protestant flavor. I said, dear time, ain't no wonder half of y'all's boys turning out homosexual. Ain't no wonder. Oh, Charles Weigel, Lee Robertson. I need to show y'all something really good. Anybody here? I know Brother Shepherd and the old man of God here knows C.F. Weigel. Y'all know that name? Brother, Brother Middlebrook, Brother Dow, Brother Lovett, y'all know that name? These men know that name. He's one of the greatest evangelists of the 1900s. Wife left him, divorced him the minute she, he said, I'm going to be a preacher. His wife left him. He went out on the cliff somewhere up in Rhode Island, I think, to commit suicide. He stood on that cliff, sat there, he said, on that rocky chalk cliff, and the Holy Ghost stood up in his heart and said, I'm still here. And he went back to the house and sat at the piano. And here's what he wrote. Adam, do you know who what he wrote? I would love to tell you what I think of Jesus since I found in him a friend so strong and true. I would tell you how he changed my life completely. He did something that no other friend could do. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. There's no other friend so kind as he. No one else could take the sin and darkness from me. Oh, how much he cared for me. Lee Robertson, Tennessee Temple, Chattanooga. Put him in the upper apartments of the high-rise building they had. In his 90s, he was an evangelist his whole life. Never did pastor. Lee Robertson kept him till he died and they said he had a rose garden on the top of that roof. 20 stories maybe. And they said they'd go up there and the preacher boys would love to go up there and visit old brother Weibel. And they said they went by his room one time and said they heard squeaking and thought something was going on and they busted in the door and he was jumping up and down on his bed. <laughs> Shouting. <laughs> He'd go out in that rose garden of his. That's where he'd walk and talk with the Lord. And he'd go down amongst the students and the church members and they'd say, well, Brother Weigel's been in the roses. You can smell it on him. Can I, do y'all have time for one nugget? Those of you that drove a long way, I know you came on purpose. Those of you that came here came on purpose. Y'all got three minutes for me? I found the first time that joy, rejoice, or rejoicing is in the Bible. First mention. Blew my socks off. I, I, I put them back on. <laughs> Exodus 18. Go look at it. Hurry. Be the last thing out there. One of you pianists over there and softly play. Exodus 18. I said, I'm not going to tell you the verse yet. I want you to look at me. 
Then I'll tell you the verse. Are y'all in Exodus 18? Let me make sure it's the verse that I think it is. Come back this way. You're in Leviticus, Pastor. <laughs> and I'm not even going to tell them what that verse said. 